Good to see all of you today. I, I, some of you just now getting here. Praise the Lord. I, I don't. I'm glad you're here. Praise the Lord. You know we. You know how people are with ball games and things. Some people like to tailgate. That which means you get there two or three hours early. Some people like to get there just at the national anthem. Although there have been a few skipping that lately for whatever reasons. Some people don't like to get there till the first quarter's over. Some like halftime. Some don't even bother to come until the game's over. What, whatever. But we're glad you're here whenever you choose to arrive. I remember when, when I first got here and we were still having church in the last building, we were having a great service that day and people were in the altars praying and, 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 and the Lord was just ministering to individuals and I saw a family come in and, and of course I had, we'd already sang, we, I'd already preached, uh, we'd already had the altar call, church was over and they were just now walking in. And I got up and I said, praise the Lord, thank you for coming today, I'll see you Wednesday night, God bless you, you can be dismissed. And they came up afterwards and they said, is church over? I said, it's 1230. It's been over for a while. So I don't know. Whenever you get here, I'm glad you're here. As you can see, we're, we're getting ready to start a brand new series of sermons entitled Chain Breaker. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is the chain breaker? Amen. Whatever it is that holds you in bondage, he has an answer for you. And over the next six weeks, we're going to be talking, we're going to take seven different characters from scripture, scripture that had prison experiences. And we're going to talk about what got them there. We're going to talk about how they responded to that circumstance and we're going to talk to them talk about how that God broke their chains, set them free, and used that circumstance in their life to bring them to a level of maturity that they couldn't reach any other way. So today we're going to go to various scriptures and we're going to talk about Joseph in the Old Testament. So if you'd like to start with me, go to Genesis chapter 37 in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to talk about how the, the Lord was the chain breaker for our man Joseph. Now, if I had to have a subtitle today, I would say, I would call it the transfer of chains. And you'll see why as we close out the message this morning, the transfer of chains. Are you there? Genesis chapter 37 Verses 2 through 11, we're going to read today. <clears throat> and today's message will be very simple. We're going to talk about before the chains, <clears throat> we're going to talk about during the chains, and we're going to talk about after the chains. How many of you, like me, want to get to that place where the chains are gone? Amen. And we live in that season of life after the chains. Now, I know that you know the story about jo uh, Joseph. He you know, they, they like to refer to him as the dreamer uh, because he got these dreams from the Lord and, and, and kind of lived his life in the reality of those. Uh, but, but Joseph uh, didn't get where he ultimately would get to uh, taking an easy path. It was, it was difficult for him to get from where God had spoken to him originally and to where God had used him at the end. He had to go through some pretty difficult times. How many of you would be honest enough to admit today 
that you've had to go through some rough times in your life. It's possible some of you this morning are going through some difficult times, but I'm praying that today and over the next few weeks, you're going to see how God is going to transfer those chains of bondage into golden chains of royalty and blessings that will enable you to move into a different season of your life. So let's talk about Joseph for a little while today, and let's just go ahead and jump in right here at Genesis 37, where it talks about his life before the chains. Genesis 37, beginning at verse 2, it says, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers, and he was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Can you say tattletale? Okay. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him, and they could not speak peacefully to him. Now, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. How many many of you know that some people don't like to see you succeed? That's right. And he said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. And behold, the sun, the moon, the eleven, and eleven stars were bearing, bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers Indeed, come to bow ourselves to the ground before you. And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. How many of you can remember your childhood? Uh, For some of you, uh, your childhood might have not been a joyous occasion. You might have grown up in a home uh, that was somewhat dysfunctional. It may have been difficult for you and hard for you at times. Others of you, like myself, grew up in a home that where everybody kind of got along and everybody loved each other and everybody supported one another. Uh, There really weren't many harsh words. and, And when there were hard words, they came with love and with the desire to build up and encourage. In Joseph's life, he he dealt uh, with several things before the chains came. And I want to mention three of those things to you this morning. First of all, it it appears to me from reading the scripture that Joseph was a tad bit spoiled. Did you ever know anybody that was spoiled? How many of you have 
younger siblings. Can I see your hand? Did it ever occur to you that maybe they were a little bit spoiled? I'm the youngest of three. My oldest sister is many, many years older than I am. And my young sister, the middle one, she's, she's, she's pretty old too. But I was the young one. And not only that, they were both girls, and I was the boy that my dad wanted. He told me one time, son, we just kept on trying until finally we got you. I said, praise the Lord. I admit to the fact that I was spoiled a little bit. I was the young boy of the family. And I, you know, I, I got some things I would say that, that my sisters didn't get. And I had some privileges that my sisters didn't have. And, and so I kind of like being the youngest, you know, I, I, I like feeling young. I like to feel energized. I, I, I like the way that it makes me feel, but if I'm not careful, I, I, I can, I can translate that into being spoiled a little bit. And, and my sisters always kind of said that I was a little spoiled, but what mom and dad didn't know is when they weren't looking, they would beat the tar out of me and, and put me down on the ground and pinch me and, and, and bite me. My, one of my sisters was a pincher and the other one was a biter. And so I can relate to Joseph today. I was such a good kid. And yet my sisters hated me. You know what I'm saying? But doesn't it strike you when you read the text that he might have been just a little bit spoiled? That, that he might have been one of those kids that like, you know, I'm the best one of the bunch. You know, I heard from God and you didn't hear from God. God speaks to me through dreams. Does he speak to you at all? Yeah, did you ever know anybody like that? And it just kind of seems like to me you almost kind of get to feel that there's this thing of having been spoiled because he was daddy's favorite. And then you add on the coat of many colors and then you add a whole nother level. I like to call it the robe of entitlement because I think Joseph thought I'm entitled because I'm the youngest. I'm entitled because daddy loves me more than daddy loves you. And daddy proved it by making this robe before him, this coat of many colors. Now, let me tell you what historians say about this. They say there were many different kinds of robes that they would make in those days. Some of them were work robes. They would put them on and they weren't long and they weren't flowing and, and they didn't come down uh, the, the, the arms, uh, the sleeves were short so that they could get out and they could work in the fields and nothing would get in the way or if they had to run or move quickly, they didn't have to take the belt and bring it up and, and, and tie their, their robes off. Uh, it was a work robe. But then there were the robes like what Joseph had. It, it spoke of royalty. It spoke of someone who no one expected them to work for what they were supposed to do. It spoke of those who just kind of sat around and looked and looked pretty. Did you ever know one, somebody that, I mean, they really weren't good for anything but just to look good. I mean, you just look at them and they just look good. But you put a hole in their hand 
And they don't know what a hoe is. They don't, they don't know what a rake is. They don't know what a weed eater is. They just look good. You, you, you're thinking of somebody right now. I can tell. Uh, you, you've got them pictured in your mind. They just always look around. You, you know, they're the kind of people that you like to watch them running or walking down the streets when it's been raining and a car drive by and hit the mud puddle and splash them from head to toe. It just makes you want to rejoice, doesn't it? I mean, they're just pretty. I mean, I, I worked in, in state work for 15 years, and we'd do conferences, and I was always the guy backstage putting the things together, and these big name people would come in, and they were important, you know, and they had to have their water at a certain room temperature, a certain temperature, and it couldn't be Kroger water. My Lord, I'm drinking Kroger water, purified drinking water, 16.9 ounces. I, I could name a few names where if you gave that to them, they would say, I ain't preaching until I have such and such. I mean, and they, they, they were just so pretty, you know, and they just, they just everything just, just right. The knot is just tied just right. And the, and the pantyhose were just exactly the way they were supposed to be with, you know, the, the, the worm on the toe. It wasn't just on the foot. It was just exactly right, you know, and, it, and, and you just, they were pretty people. But you didn't mind one bit if they fell down in a mud puddle and it'd just make you kind of snicker and laugh just a little bit. You know people like that. And Joseph was probably one of those kind of guys. He, you know, he just kind of walked around with that pretty robe on and, and just kind of felt entitled. You know, I'm daddy's boy. I'm daddy's favorite. Don't you talk to me like that. If you say something to me that's not the way it ought to be, I'm going to tell daddy on you. Yes, doesn't it make you just want to slap him? Don't you, don't you know some people like that in your life that you just would like to slap? He was spoiled. He had the robe of entitlement. But then he also had the very real pain of dysfunctional relationships. Because let me tell you something. It hurts when you know that somebody does not like you. It is painful when you know that there is someone who does not have your best interest at heart. And this scripture is full of dysfunctional relationships. When Joseph would speak, the scripture says that his brothers hated him. They hated him. They were jealous of him. They wanted bad things to happen to him. And dysfunctional relationships. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today. But based on my experience as a pastor for the last 150 years, I, I would dare say that a large percentage of our congregation today, if, if you were honest enough, you would say, man, I've got dysfunctional relationships in my life. I didn't get along with my daddy. I didn't get along with my mama. I didn't get along with my siblings. I've got siblings that I haven't spoken to in years, and I kind of like it that way. I, I don't get along with my boss at work. He or she's a pain in the neck. It just seems like that I'm always in trouble with them. Watch it, Carolyn. I saw you think, you know, she works here at the daycare. They just, they just, they just bother me. My next door neighbor is a pain in the neck. And these relationships 
have a tendency to turn into dysfunction. And every day, you know that when you're in the presence of those people, that very it's, it's very rare if anything good is going to come from your interaction with them because of this, the, the dysfunctional relationship that exists there. So before the chains, this is what we see in the life of Joseph. He was a spoiled little teenager. He had the robe of entitlement. He was his daddy's favorite, and he irritated his siblings and created this atmosphere of dysfunction in his home before the chains. But then one day he made them angry enough that the scripture tells us that they decided that they were going to kill Joseph, that they were going to lie to the daddy and say that a wild beast had killed the son of promise and they were going to get rid of him. But the oldest brother saved his life and said, let's don't do that. That would kill our father. That would just absolutely devastate him. Let's just put him in a pit over here for a while until we decide what we're going to do. And you know the story. There was a, a, a traveling band of gypsies come by and they look in. They were all the time trying to find slaves that they could purchase and buy. And they saw Joseph in the pit and they bought him and they took him. And then they sold him to a man named Potiphar. And so now I want to talk to you. Flip over in your Bible, if you will, to Genesis chapter 39. And I want to talk to you about how Joseph responded while the chains were on him. Now, I want you to realize that from the moment that his siblings decided to kill him and put him in the pit, a bondage came upon him that was out of his power to break. He had no power to break it. He couldn't do it himself. He couldn't run for it and, and save his life. He, it was just one against 11, and there was no way that he could win absent the power of God in his life. And so he had chains upon him. And then in Genesis chapter 39, it says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, uh, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. He's still in bondage, but he is successful. Did you notice that? He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And then the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So J Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of the house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern. He didn't worry about anything but the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Jesus. Did you ever wonder how she got her eyes out of the socket and then threw them at Joseph? And No, that's not what it means there. She cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern or worries about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. 
He is not greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. And then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought in among us came in to, to me to laugh at me, but as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. Verse 19, And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison and placed at the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever he is, was done there, he was the one who did it. And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to succeed. Yeah. Now here's the point I want you to get out of this. I want you to see today that even in the midst of your prison experience, the favor of God is still upon your life. You don't have to be down in the dumps. You don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to give up. You don't have to worry. Wherever God allows you to go, you can know that He is with you. And he will empower you and he will strengthen you and he will anoint you to succeed no matter what it is that you may be going through. Now he was in prison. And there are four things that I want you to see here during the chains. The first is this sense of frustration. Did you ever feel like that if you did not have the chains on you that you currently have on you, did you ever wonder how successful you could be? Do you ever have, wonder how much easier life would be if you didn't have that, that spouse in your life that was a thorn in your flesh? Or those kids 
that were acting in ways that were causing you to have to stay up all night and pray for them and believe God to intervene on their, their behalf? Did, did you ever wonder if I just had the different job than I do now, if I could work over there in, in that cubby hole instead of over there in that cubby hole, how much life would be different and better for me if I didn't have this, if I didn't have that, if I wasn't sick in this part of my body, if I could see better than I see, if, 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 you know what they say, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, what a merry Christmas we would have. And so many of us live life with this, this if mentality. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many times Donna may have said, if I'd have just married the other guy. If, if I could have just held out a little bit longer. You know what I'm saying? If, 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 if. But if we don't learn anything else from Joseph's life and prison experience than this, let me tell you, you can walk through frustration and still understand and realize that the favor of God is upon you. Amen. As long as God's hand is upon me, then I will succeed. It may be tough. It may be hard. It may be, uh, it may be difficult. But if God is on my side, who can be against me? Amen. You know, we've kind of gotten used to having a little bit of money in the operational uh, expense here at the church and in that fund. And, and, you know, it's kind of one of those things where that we we not had that benefit. It was almost sometimes from week to week to week. And, and, and then we made some adjustments in the budget and got the mortgage reorganized and all that. And we started... I mean, I started seeing a little bit of daylight in that fund, and, and, and then we started this project in the back, and we had to start spending some. And, and Earlene came in this week, and she slipped me one of those little yellow notes, and hey, listen, most of the time she just comes in, throws stuff on my desk, explains it, but when she, when she slips those little yellow notes on the side, I know it ain't good. And she kind of put it down there and she said, but our God shall shall provide. And I looked over there and she showed me how much money we needed for the week with payroll and bills and outstanding debts and things. You know, there was a day that I would have got chill bumps up my spine and started feeling weak and sick and nauseous and, oh God, how are we going to do it? And then, then complain a little bit. God, I'm sick and tired of this. I, you sent me over here to succeed and here we are having to plead and beg and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know if those kind of attitudes get on you very often, but let me tell you something. When that kind of attitude and spirit gets on you, it is not from God. And you've got to take control of that and capture those thoughts uh, and say, I am not going to give in uh, to defeat or discouragement. Uh, And I told her, I said, we've been here before. We made it then. uh, And we're going to make it this time uh, to praise the Lord. Amen. Even when you're dealing with some difficulty, I want you to know, even though it may frustrate your flesh, it will energize your spirit uh, and bring you to your knees to pray and seek the name of the Lord so that your needs can be met. Amen. In these moments during the change, he had to deal with false accusation. He had to deal with a woman who was married to Potiphar 
who lied on him. Have you ever had anybody lie on you? Nobody? I didn't see a single hand go up. I was going to say, how does it happen to me all the time? Doesn't it just frustrate the life out of you when you know that somebody's lying? I mean, when our kids were young enough, you know, uh, they don't, they, we don't have to worry about that now. They're adults. But when they were kids, they just look at you right in the face and lie, just lie, lie, lie. Did you color on that wall with a crayon in their hand? No. The dog did it. I always say, they get that from your side of the family, baby. They, I, I, I grew up in a pastor's home. We weren't allowed to lie. She grew up in a church member's home, and you know how that is. Potiphar's wife lied on him. He had successfully overcome the urge to the temptation. By the way, did you know that Scripture says that for every temptation that you ever face in your life, there is a way of escape. You say, well, pastor, I just can't help myself. That's not true. That is not consistent with Scripture. Because Scripture says, for the child of God, every time, without fail, when the enemy comes against you and tempts you, there is a way to escape the temptation. And he escaped it, and she lied on him. And she told Potiphar a story that was not true. And can you imagine that that only added to the frustration that Joseph was already feeling? He's already frustrated because he has this dream in his spirit that God has given him. But then he got thrown into a pit and then bought as a slave and put into Potiphar's house. And now he's going to another level of frustration because he's going to actually be put in the prison. And he's frustrated. He's falsely accused. And then later on we understand that he is forgotten. Do you remember, do you remember the butler and the cupbearer? I always get mixed up and I always want to say the butler, the baker, the candlestick maker. That's what I always want to say there. But it's not that way. It's the cupbearer and, and the butler. And they're in prison too because they made the boss mad. And so they're in there, and one day, uh, one of them has a dream, and he comes to Joseph and said, I had this dream, and Joseph said, tell me the dream, and I'll tell you what the dream means. And when he got done telling him the dream, he said, that's good news, because in three days, the king is going to restore you to your place of service. And the scripture said that, that the other one uh, got, got emboldened and thought, well, he got good news. Surely I'll get good news too. He said, I had a dream. I had baskets on my head, three baskets. And he said, and, and, and Joseph said, well, here, here is the uh, interpretation of the dream. He said, three days that the king is going to uh, cut your head off and put your head in the basket. That wasn't good news for him now, was it? When it was all said and done, it happened exactly as Joseph said. And he said to the one who got restored to his position, he said, hey, don't forget me. 
He said, when you get back in the presence of Pharaoh, don't, don't forget me. When you, when you talk to Potiphar, don't forget me. Remember what I did for you. And you know what he did? He forgot all about him. He forgot the commitment that he had made. And we hear from Scripture that it took him two years and the reminder, when Pharaoh had his own dream, oh yeah, there's a guy in prison who can interpret dreams. And he remembered Joseph and brought him before the king so that he, so that, so that he could interpret the dream. So listen, during your chains, there may, may be times of great frustration. There may be times when people lie about you. There may be times when it seems as though you are forgotten. But let me remind you one more time that it doesn't matter which prison you're in and it doesn't matter how many chains you have on you. If you have the favor of God upon your life, uh, everything is going to be all right. Amen. So during the chains, Come ahead and help me stop, if you will. During the, the time of your chains, remember that God's favor is on you. God's favor is yours. Don't forget that. And then after the chains, turn with me to Genesis chapter 41, if you will, verses 37 through 46, chapter 41. And let's talk for briefly just a moment about after the chains. Chapter 41, verses 37 through 46. Are you there? Here we go. Joseph interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. And beginning at verse 37, it says, This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God, man, I could preach a whole different message right there. I'm not going to do that to you today. I know some of you are already thinking about fried chicken. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as in regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen. And he put a gold chain around his neck. And he made him or made, made it possible for him to ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, bowed the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. And moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, Joseph, no one shall lift up a hand or a foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephanath. Paneah, and he gave him in marriage a wife. That, and look at verse 46. I want you to get this. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. After 
the chains. After the chains are over, you live in a new reality. Joseph didn't live today always tied to the pit. Joseph didn't live today always thinking about his dysfunctional family. Joseph didn't walk around saying, if only my life had been different. If only I'd have had a different father. If only my father had loved me less or more. If my mama had been more involved in my life. If my brothers had loved me more. If, 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 if. Now he didn't walk around like that. Why? Because he had too much power of the Holy Spirit in him the spirit of the living God living in him and all of those memories of the past were only there to remind him of the power that he now possessed through the power of almighty God. Now I want you to notice what the, what, what the Pharaoh did. When he, when he exalted him, he did three things. The scripture says he took his signet ring off of his hand and he put it on the ring of Joseph. That meant that wherever Joseph went, if they needed the opinion of the king, he was authorized to give what the king would have offered. And he would just take that ring and he would just put it in that wax and put the king king's signature in it. And all they had to do was look at it and say, thus saith the king. When the signet ring had been placed in the wax, the deal was done. And what the king would have wanted was to be done. He had a ring on his finger. And then the scripture says he put royal robes on him. Oh, you just think about that for a minute. Joseph started off with a robe of entitlement. His daddy had made it for him. But he didn't get to take, keep that very long because of the chains that came upon him. And when they put him in the prison, they put a different kind of robes on him. They put him the prisoner robe up on him so that he could be identified wherever he went as a man who had come out of the prisoner. He had had a robe of entitlement. He had had a robe that identified him with prison and the chains. But the king said, you're no longer a prisoner. You have been set free. And he put royal robes upon him so that wherever he went, people would bow before him and understand uh, that he was there at the behest of the king. Let me tell you something today, church, and if you don't get anything else, hear this well. It's time for you to take off some robes uh, that you've been wearing for too long, some robes of entitlement, some robes of hurt, some robes of pain. Get them off of you. Shake them off in Jesus' name uh, and put on the royal robes uh, that God has provided for you. Square your shoulders uh, and declare, I am a child of the king. Amen. I have royal blood flowing through my veins. I'm his kid. When the devil tries to tell you that you're not, you just say, I don't listen to you. The only voice that I hear is the voice of my shepherd. He gave him a ring, gave him a robe, and he transferred his chains. He took off the chains that had held him in bondage and he threw them off to the side. And he said, come here, Joseph. 
you need some chains, but you don't need that kind of chain in your life anymore. And the scripture says that he took solid gold chains and put them on the neck of Joseph. He transferred his chains. He took off the bondage and he put freedom wherever he went with the king's chains, wherever he went with the valuable gold of the king. No one questioned who he was. No one questioned his decisions. No one questioned his authority because he was no longer walking around in prison chains, but he was wearing the chains of authority that were given him by the Pharaoh. Aren't you so glad today that God has the power to turn your life around and to change whatever it is that is holding you down and give you strength? You say, well, how does he do it? He does it through his power and he works together with your faith. And when you begin to believe not what you're feeling, not what the enemy is telling you, but what the Word of God says about you, then over time, it can change your mindset and you'll be restored. You know what the greatest thing is about this entire story? Is when it was all said and done, that dysfunctional family that came he came out of was restored. His brothers came home. He saw his daddy again and they all came together and were restored by the power of God in his life. I'm telling you that if there are chains that are holding you in bondage today, the God I serve wants to break them on your behalf. He's the chain breaker. He doesn't even have to grab one end and then the other and jerk them. All he has to do is speak the word and the chains will be broken over your life. Would you give him praise? Father, we love you. I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Yesterday afternoon, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me in preparation for this prayer time today. And I don't often... I don't often close like this, but I I feel led of the Spirit of God to do this today. So I want you to just remain seated, if you will, but I'd like for everybody in the building, if you will, to just close your eyes and enter into a spirit of praise, worship, prayer. And I want to ask you this morning, I, I would love to see the hand of every individual in this house that you would be willing to say today, my life has been negatively affected by dysfunctional relationships that I come in contact with. It may be a a dad, it may be a mother, it may be siblings, it may be work, it could be any variety of people in your life. But if you would say today, Pastor, I've had to deal with dysfunctional family members and relationships and it has impacted me negatively in my life 
Would you just lift your hand right where you are? Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking but me. That's right. There are several hands up. Let me, let me give you just a few seconds longer. I'm dealing with dysfunctional relationships. I see your hands. Now put your hands down if you will. And I'd like for everyone to stand right where you are. And you won't know if the person to your right or the person to your left lifted their hands. Because your eyes were closed and your head was bowed. But what I'd like for you to do is I would like for you to take the hand of the person to your right and your left and I pray I want you to pray for them that God would break the chains that have held them in their life. And we're going to pray one for another. I'm going to lead you in prayer. We're going to pray for one another. And then we're going to walk out of here worshiping the Lord today knowing that the chain breaker has broken the chains that have held us for too long. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you right now. I saw and I know that you saw every hand that went up in this house and there were many who said that they have been negatively impacted and affected by dysfunctional relationships at some point in their lives. Lord, I know that you are a God who are able to bring restoration and healing into the lives of these people. And I pray, Lord, that you would repair those relationships. And Lord God, that you, like you did with Joseph, when you restored his relationship with his father and his mother and his brothers, Lord, and restored them and brought them back together in a spirit of unity. I pray that you would do the same for them today. Lord, whether it's with a spouse, a husband, or or a wife, or or, or a, a former spouse, uh, and maybe someone who went through a difficult divorce and, and they're still being impacted by that dysfunction. Or whether it's with parents, a mom or a dad, or, or, or family members, siblings, whatever it is, Lord, I know that you are able to give them the strength that they need to be able to come to a place of unity in this relationship. And in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will restore them. In Jesus' name. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now listen. Listen very closely to me. To have victory over these kinds of things requires participation on your part. Just because we prayed for you today doesn't mean that everything's just going to automatically be fine. In fact, the devil will probably turn up the heat just a little bit. But when the devil turns up the heat, the, de- the, the Lord comes into the furnace and stands beside of you. And will be, you don't believe me? Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
if he won't step into the fire with you. He will. But when this comes against you, and when you're tempted to respond negatively, you have the authority, you have the power, and you have the anointing to say to the enemy, get away from me. I am not related to you. I'm a child of the king. And if you don't believe me, look here. I carry his signet ring, which speaks of his authority. I have his robe of royalty wrapped around my shoulders. Amen. I have it. I represent him. And do you see this chain of gold? It identifies me as his kid and not yours. So get out of my grill, devil. I'm done messing with you today in Jesus' name. How many believe you're going to have victory this week? How many of you believe you're going to have some chains fall off this week? Could you just give him one more great round?